Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. The title of my message today is Start with Stewardship. <clears throat> Start with Stewardship. We're going to be reading a passage from Scripture that's very familiar to those of us who've been reading the Bible for any length of time. It's the parable of the talents that Jesus shared in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read the whole parable from verses 14 to 30. So read along with me. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, by the way. And he says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five ba- and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See here, it is, see, see what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. That's kind of harsh. Welcome to church. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more. They will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, let's get into this. Let's talk about the parable of the talents. First of all, a talent, not talking about your singing ability or your dancing ability. You know, a talent was the greatest form of currency in the Greco-Roman world. And it was the equivalent of 20 years worth of wages. Now, I did the math for you. So you didn't have to do the math here. But the average annual salary in the U.S. is approximately $56,000. If you multiply that by 20 years, a talent today would be over $1.1 million. So the man, the, the servant who had received one talent was, giving, was given a very large sum of money, one, over $1.1 million. And so the servant with five talents has roughly $5.5 million, And the servant with two talents has roughly $2.2 million. They each received an incredible fortune from their master. Well, that's great, Pastor, but I've never been in charge of millions of dollars of money. How does this message apply to me? 
Well, this message isn't only about our finances, although it could very well be applied to our money. But this message, more importantly, is about stewardship. It is about stewardship. God has called each believer to be obedient to his voice in every area of our lives, not just our finances. And the question that I want to ask you today is, are you being obedient to what God has called you to do now? Starting with stewardship. Do you know what he's asked you to do? Have you been listening to the voice of God asking him what his will for your life is and how you are supposed to steward certain areas of your life? I want to share an incredible testimony today about uh, his helping hands. It's our local outreach that we partner with that was born out of our church but has gone far beyond uh, far beyond our church. But the, the origin of his helping hands begins about 13 years ago. And there's a small group in our church who were reading a book called The Monday Morning Church by Jerry Cook. And it's all about, you know, being done with church on Sunday, getting out there on Monday morning and impacting the world around you. And they were reading this book and they decided to serve the community by collecting coats and hoodies for the less fortunate people here in Ephrata. And the plan was that year to host two Christmas events And they were planning on serving hundreds of people. They collected a ton of coats. And out of these two events, only 35 people were served at these two events. And it was just, Dawn just says it was a blow. It was a blow. She was going, God, what what are you doing? You're asking me to be faithful. You're asking me to to do this. but, But we're not having an impact. We're only serving 35 people. Well, this is what happened. Fast forward to this last Christmas. And his helping hands in this last year served 625 people at their Christmas event. And they gave gifts. Yeah, praise God. They gave gifts to 390 children. And that we're not done. There's more. Don shared this with me. She came into my office. She shared this exciting news with me this week. In addition to this amazing community outreach, the Columbia Basin Foundation, they decided to support his helping hands. And they raised $7,000 for them in a Christmas tree fundraiser and they also have decided to help his helping hands to come alongside and partner to them pick them up as an as a as an, a local outreach and help them raise funds to get into their own building to purchase their own building <laughs> praise god they're looking at the Grant County Journal building, is that right? And they're also going to help them raise money to, to, to uh, renovate, to remodel the building so that it can serve our community even more. And here's the exciting thing, is when you think about starting a local outreach, you think about serving our community, you expect to see, I mean, in our minds, ideally, we want to see this overnight. Right? Tomorrow, I'm going to get out there, I'm going to change the world. And it doesn't happen like that, does it? No, it starts by collecting a few coats. It starts by serving 35 people over two Christmas events and being a little heartbroken because it's not what you expected. But the beautiful thing about this story is that they started with stewardship. They started with what little they had, what little time, what little resources. And God, over the last 13 years, has completely multiplied what they had to impact the community around us. It starts with faithfulness. See, God isn't in a rush for you to reach a destination. The only thing he's asking of you now is to be obedient with what you have now. Even if it's only a little 
to be faithful with what you have now. Don't wait until you have a certain, certain amount of time or resources. Start now. Start with stewardship. How many of you think, oh, I'll give more time to God when I have more time? And we give God the leftovers, not the first fruits. I'll be more generous when I have more finances, when I have more resources. But we give God the leftovers instead of the first fruits. He's asking you to be faithful with five different areas of your life. I want to talk about the five T's of stewardship. These are five areas of our life that we have all been called to steward now. You all have these things to steward now. The first area that we have been called to steward is our time. Time is the only thing that you will never get back. You'll never get time back. You have a limited supply, which makes it very, very precious. And if you want to discover what is truly precious to you, then look at your calendar. Your calendar will tell you what you think is the most important things in your life. How you spend your limited supply of time matters. Are you spending that limited supply of time attending sports games and watching sports? Or are you fellowshipping with your church family? Are you spending time in the presence of God in devotions? Or are you binging a show on Netflix? Hey, I, I hit some buttons there. I'm preaching to myself too, church, okay? I'm not, there's no judgment here. This is a message for me. Are you spending time doom scrolling through your Instagram or Facebook or your TikTok or whatever is out there? I'm a millennial and there's, it's hard to think that there's generations after me that are just like, I don't even speak their language anymore. I'm so grateful to have a youth pastor who's hip and now, because I feel like I'm about to break my hip right now. I'm just kidding. I'm not that old. Are you spending your time serving others or are you spending your time serving yourself? If you steward your time well, in this parable that we just read, those who stewarded what they had well, they got more of it, didn't they? God multiplied it. So let me ask you, if you steward your time well, do you think it's possible for God to give you more time? Huh? Hold on a second. There's a practice that Jesus has commanded us, that God has commanded us all to do. It's called Sabbath. And it's in the Ten Commandments. It's up there with do not, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie. It's keep the Sabbath. And this is important because it is a rule that dedicates time, our time, a day of every week to worshiping and delighting in the presence of God. He's instructed us to give one day each week for Sabbath, for rest and delight and worship. There's a group, there's a denomination called the Seventh-day Adventists. And did you know there was a study done, and this is all from the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. He talks about how Seventh-day Adventists live 10 years longer than the average life, which is 79 years old. The average lifespan is 79 years old. Seventh-day Adventists, by far, uh, the majority of them live 10 years longer. And it's because this particular denomination, it, they, they are strict. They, they keep the Sabbath every single week. They are faithful to keeping the Sabbath. Now, if you add a day per week for every year of the average life, did you know you get roughly 10 years? Seven-day Adventists who, who Sabbath regularly 
live 10 years longer. And if you add the average, if you add a day for every week of the average life, it comes to about 10 years. This to me is proof that when you are faithful with your time and you steward your time wisely, God will multiply your time. He can give it back to you. God doesn't just want your spare time. He wants the first fruits. He wants the most precious moments of your time to be dedicated to him. We all have time that we have been called to steward. The second area is we all have talents or gifts and passions and abilities that God has given us to steward. God has uniquely created you with gifts and passions unlike any other person in this room. No two people are the same. Yes, others may be able to do that thing that you do, but they do not have those talents combined with your life experience and with your sphere of influence, the people that God has placed in your life. And so that uniquely positions you to do something with your abilities that no one else on earth can do. You are completely unique. And the question is, how are you spending the gifts and passions that God has placed inside of you? Are they going to waste? Or are you serving others with them? Are you burying them in the ground? Or are you multiplying it? Are you sharing it with the people around you in your life? You have been blessed with the ability and the passions to bless others. You were created with with uniqueness so that you can bless other people with your uniqueness. Practice makes perfect. And the more you use your gifts and your abilities, the more that you exercise your passions in the world, the more they develop. They are multiplied. And it's the principle of stewardship. We all have time. We all have talents. The third thing is you have a testimony that God has called you to steward. If God has saved you from sin and death, then you have a responsibility to share your testimony with others. We don't... We, we aren't saved from sin and death. We don't experience the grace of God so that we can bury it in the ground and put a, a, a basket over our light, right? No, this light of mine, I've got to let it shine. I won't start singing it. You'll be singing it all the way home if I start singing it now. And in Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples with food or clothing. Excuse me. He sends out his disciples without any food or clothing. Or any other resource. He says, just, just take what the clothes that you have on your back and go with your testimony. They have only their testimonies to steward. This is what Mark 6, 8 through 11 says. These were, instru- these were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. <laughs> Wherever you, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Jesus sends out his disciples with only a testimony to steward. Go and share what I'm doing in your life. Let me ask you, when you discover a new restaurant that you love or a new coffee shop that you enjoy spending time in, Don't you want to share it with the people that you love? I don't know about you, but eating alone at a restaurant is not very fun to me. I don't go, and some of you might be different. Silence and solitude might be your jam. 
But for me, I'm not going to go to Michael's on the lake and order a, a, a steak and a glass of wine by myself. That's not a party to me. No, I want to share those experiences with, with, with others. When I, when I experience something great, I want to share that with somebody that I love. Did you know that most people who won't attend church or listen to a biblical teaching, they will listen to a two-minute testimony. They will listen to you share your story. They will listen to how God has changed your life, impacted your life. God has given you a unique story to share with other people, and we are all called to share our testimonies with the world. God has given you that to steward. The fourth thing, and this is for me, I'm preaching to myself, we have a temple to steward. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Did you catch that last part? You are not your own. Even your body is a gift from God for us to steward. We will eventually give them back. We will give our bodies back. But why not give it back to God now while you have breath in your lungs? We have temples that we are supposed to steward. How are you stewarding your temple? Are you getting enough rest so that, you can use, so that God can use you more effectively throughout your week? Are you eating well and staying strong? This is an area that I need to grow in. I'm heavier than I've ever been before in my life. And I need to start losing some weight. And the Lord's been, been speaking to me about stewarding my body. But this is something that, that we all need to learn how to steward. We have temples that we are called to steward. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The Greek word for bodies is the word soma, and it refers to your physical body, not just an intellectual following. Jesus is not just an intellectual ascent. It, it requires surrendering and stewarding your physical life to him. We all have temples that we've been called to steward. The fifth thing that we have to steward, and I talked about this last week, is we have treasure. Our treasure, yes, I'm talking about money. And like I said last week, a lot of people get uncomfortable when the pastor starts to talk about money from the stage. But did you know that Jesus himself spent more time teaching about money than he did about heaven and hell combined? Why did Jesus do that? Because he said this. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Money has a way of attaching to our hearts, doesn't it? That anxiety that you feel towards the end of the month when you're waiting for that paycheck, it's because money is attached to our hearts. Money has a way of attaching itself. Jesus said not to give your heart or money to material things, but to give your heart or money to heavenly things, to things that are going to have an eternal impact. Last week we talked about our finances. I talked about the three mindsets of money, that when God gives you this resource to steward, 
when he gives you treasure, that we can, we can use our treasure with a bag mentality, a bag mindset that says there's just never enough. It's a poverty mindset that says no matter how much goes into the bag, there's always a hole at the bottom of the bag. And the bag is never full. It just keeps draining and draining. And our hope isn't in God. Our hope is what's in the bag. The bag is going to provide our security. The bag is going to provide our safety. So I need to hold on to it because there's never enough. That's the first mindset. The second mindset we talked about was the basket mindset that says there's more than enough. And we talked about Jesus who said, uh, uh, to the measure that you give, it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together. And how if you give abundantly, it'll be given to you abundantly. That God tells us in Micah 3.10 to test him in this and to give him a tenth of all of our treasure. It's the, the mindset that there is more than enough. It's what the little boy with five loaves and two fish did. When there was five, over 5,000 hungry people as Jesus was preaching to a crowd, the boy did not have a bag mindset. The boy had a basket mindset who didn't say, Oh, how is this, these five loaves and two fish, how are they supposed to feed 5,000 people? No, the boy didn't do that. He brought what he had to Jesus. He said, Jesus, this is all that I have, but it's more than enough if you would take it. And the last mindset is the barn mindset. The barn mindset is this mindset that I have been, that everything I own already belongs to God. And I have been blessed to be a blessing. It's what Joseph did in Egypt, that during the seven years of plenty, he gathered up the grain, he stored it in the barn so that when the seven years of famine came, he could be a blessing to the nations around him. It's this idea that, God, you are abundantly far beyond all that I can, I can imagine. You have more than enough. I have heaven's resources at my fingertips. And so we give with our treasure as if it doesn't belong to us anyway. It all belongs to God. And we're stewards of our treasure. We also talked about last week that tithing isn't a principle. Or excuse me, tithing is a principle. It's not a law. Right? Yeah, I got my merge twix right there. But tithing is not a law because how many of you love to pay your taxes at the, at the beginning of, you know, in April? You just love paying your taxes. Now, most of us don't experience a whole lot of joy and paying our taxes because we are required to give to the government. We, it's required of us by law. And tithing in the Bible is never required of us. It is a principle of generosity because God loves a cheerful giver. That those of us who give, we do it cheerfully knowing that God is using my treasure and multiplying it to bless people around me. It's a principle. And we also talked about the four qualities of kingdom giving, of biblical giving. That in the Bible, it's, it, it, it is, it's mentioned that we are supposed to give consistently. We give consistently. If you didn't hear last week's message, feel free to go back and listen. But we, we're supposed to give consistently. Number two, we're supposed to give abundantly. Because Jesus says, to the measure that you give, it will be measured back to you. The third thing is we give cheerfully. And the fourth thing is we give sacrificially. And I talked about what David, when David was going to build an altar before the Lord, he went to the owner of some property and he 
And the owner of the property saw David and saw the angel of the Lord with David. And the the owner of the property bowed down at David's feet and said, just take the property for your altar. You can have it. I'll give it to you for free. And David looked at the property owner and said, no, I insist on paying full price because I will not offer something to God that costs me nothing. We are to give sacrificially, not just with our money, This can be applied to our time, our relationships, our talents. All of these T's we give sacrificially. And here's the principle. When God knows that you can be trusted with a little, he blesses more because he knows you can be trusted with a lot. So what are you doing with the financial resources that God has given you to steward? You may not have a lot. You may just have a little. But how can you be faithful with the little that you do have and be obedient to the voice of God with the little that you do have now? We need to stop waiting until we're on the other side of the fence where the grass is greener. As soon as I get there, as soon as I get that next job, as soon as this, I start making X amount of money, as soon as I have enough time, I'll start giving to God when I fill in the blank. But start now with stewardship. We all can start now. Now, you may not have millions of dollars to steward like the men in Jesus' parable, but you do have time. You do have talents. You have a testimony. You have a temple. And you have treasure that you can begin to steward now. And here's the principles that I want to close with. The, The three principles when it comes to stewarding these things is number one, It all belongs to God. All of it. You ever borrowed somebody's car before? Or have you rented a vehicle and declined the insurance? Like I have. You know, when I rent a vehicle or I borrow somebody else's car, I'm very conscious of the fact that this car does not belong to me. Right? I remember going on a a family vacation to Utah and we, we borrowed a minivan for our family, and they asked me, do you want to pay insurance? And I said, no, because I, li- I had liability, but that was all I was going to do. And, and I get in that car, and I'm like just driving very carefully, very aware that this car is not mine. Because here's the point. The car's condition upon its return reflects the level of your respect and honor and gratitude for the person you borrowed it from. If somebody lends you... Like, anybody have a truck? How many times do you get asked to, for somebody to borrow that truck? Right? Hey, can I borrow your truck? i got to make a run to the dump. I need to pick up a refrigerator. Those of us with trucks, they get used a lot. And I remember when I was that person who needed to borrow a truck. And when I borrow my friend's truck, I understand that the condition of the truck upon its return, it reflects the respect and the honor and the gratitude that I have for the person who gave it to me. Your time is not your own. It belongs to God. Your talents and your treasure and your testimony and your body, they are not yours. They belong to God. And the condition of those things, they reflect the respect and the honor and the gratitude that you have for the person who gave you those things. Think about parenting. I focus a lot on how to raise my kids. 
how to make sure my kids are obedient and respectful, how to educate my kids so that they're successful in life, how to provide for my kids so that they are happy. And if I think of those kids as mine, I can parent and discipline my kids how I want. They are mine, right? I'm, these are my kids. Don't tell me how to discipline my kids. They're my kids. But I need to remind myself that I'm only a steward of God's kids. These are God's kids that he's given me to be a father to. Obedience, respect, success, and happiness are not the goals of my parenting. Some of you might say, I just want my kids to be happy. Not me. I don't want my kids to be happy. I want them to be happy, but that's not the end goal. The goal of parenting for me is leading them into a relationship with their real father. And the goal is that he will provide joy and he will provide them with heaven's definition of success. They aren't mine, they're his. And that's not an easy thing to do. But I have to remind myself over and over and over again to let go of my control, of wanting to control my kids all the time and their attitudes and behaviors. Obviously, I want to instill in them respect. I want to instill honor. I want to instill uh, a biblical understanding of who God is and their relationship to the world around them. But ultimately, the goal is leading my kids back to their real father, their heavenly father, because they belong to him. You're a steward of the time that God has given you on earth. You're a steward of the people in your life. You're a steward of gifts and passions deposited in you. You're only a steward of your finances. When you die, you can't take any of it with you. It belongs to God. Your time, your talents, your testimony, your temple, your treasure, they're all borrowed from God. And he's given you charge over these things not to make yourself famous, not to build your kingdom, but to make Jesus famous, to build his kingdom. It all belongs to God. The second principle of stewardship and this might be hard for some of you to hear, is you have what God wants you to have, and let me say this as well, in this season. You have what God wants you to have in this season. I have an issue with this part because it's not fair when I read the story of the talents. Why did one person get nearly $6 million and the, only one, and the other one got $1.1 million? That doesn't seem fair. But the story says... That the master gave to each of his servants according to their ability. He knew their boundaries. He knew their potential. He knew their weaknesses. And he distributed accordingly. He did this intentionally, not haphazardly. Many people who win the lottery after living in poverty more likely will quickly find themselves back in poverty because they never develop the capacity to handle that kind of wealth. They don't have the ability, the capacity to handle that kind of wealth. It was never grown, fostered, matured inside of them. You see, the parable of the talents is not a story of comparison. It's a story of capacity, of ability, One servant had a greater capacity than the others, but that did not make him more loved or more valuable to God, to the master. 
And we're so quick to compare these servants and identify the one as being better, right? Well, that one with the five with the five point five million, the the five talents, that guy is the best. He was entrusted with the most. He made the most. He's the best. He's the top of the food chain. And we do this with others as well. When we look at the talents that God has given to them, when we look at the T's that God has given to that person, why do they get so much more than me? And we look at someone speaking from a stage or on the TV or in the news and think, wow, that person, that's a five-talent kind of person. That person has just got grace on their lives. Too bad I'm only a one-talent kind of person. We have messed up ideas of what success is in the Western world. We think success is being known by others, having resources or a platform. But let me tell you, that is not heaven's heaven's idea of success. We all would probably read the Bible, and you know that the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. We would look at the Apostle Paul and go, now there's a five-talent kind of guy. There's somebody who's God, God's using him mightily. His name is going down in history. Look at all the wonderful things that Paul did. There's a five-talent kind of person. He was a successful follower of Jesus. But you know what a successful life looked like for Paul? It was years of persecution and writing from a prison cell. That was success. That, was his, that is what God called him to because he had the capacity for it. He had the capacity to be persecuted. He had the capacity to consider it pure joy when faced with trials and tribulation. That is what success looks like in the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't always look shiny and glittery and Wow, look at that person with the stage and the platform and the resources and the people and the body and the whatever else. No, sometimes success looks like doing the little things that God has called you to do because that is what your capacity is. Now, let me tell you, capacity can grow. Capacity can grow when you are faithful with what you have. We can't compare our talents with other talents because it isn't about who gets dealt the best hand. It has everything to do with your capacity, and it can grow. The servants who had five and two talents were given a greater measure because their capacities grew, didn't they? The reason that God, the master didn't give them, didn't give the five-talent guy ten talents in the beginning is because he knew that this guy has to grow to that place. I'm going to give him the I'm going to give him what he can handle right now. Two out of two equals hundred percent. And a million out of a million also equals 100%. It's the 100% trust that God is seeking from you, regardless of your capacity. I love this quote by Mike Burnett. It says, stewardship begins not with the desire to produce results, but with the realization that you've been given a specific investment for a specific reason, even if that reason hasn't yet been revealed. Good stewards want the exact results their master has uniquely equipped them to produce. We receive blessing from heaven, resources from heaven. We receive health. We receive time. 
And oftentimes what we do with those resources is we go and we build our kingdom. We make a platform for ourselves. How can I use this to my advantage to make myself more known, to put myself more out there? And God says, no, no, no. If you want more, then you've got to learn how to be faithful with what you have and give it back to God. To steward well what you have. Instead of wishing we were like, more like another person, we need to fall in love with who God has created us to be and the assignment that he's given us right now in this season of our life. There is nothing more freeing than knowing your calling and gifting and staying in your lane. You will go crazy Wishing for the rest of your life you looked like somebody else or you were in somebody else's position. It will drive you insane with greed and with dissatisfaction, with discontentment. You will go crazy. Somebody once said, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. (laughs) Be yourself. Stay in your lane. You have what God wants you to have in this season of your life because he's looking to grow your capacity. He doesn't want all of us staying down here. He wants us to mature, to be complete in everything. Here's the last thing. The size of your talent doesn't matter, but the size of your faithfulness does. The servant with the one talent, I believe he misunderstood the heart of the master. He said this to the master. He said, I knew you to be a hard man. In other words, the servant thought his master to be cold and calculating And he thought the goal was to protect his master's investment. But does giving your servant millions of dollars to use freely sound cold? No, it does not. Let me ask you this question. Was the master dependent upon his servant's success? Was he depending upon it? No, he wasn't. He said about the 5.5 million guy, he said, you've been faithful with little. The person he gave the most to, he still says, yeah, that's a little. You've been faithful with little, so I'll give you more. The master wasn't expecting each of his servants to double his money. He simply wanted them to share in the expansion of his kingdom and experience the joy of heavenly resources. He was giving them these resources so that they could feel the joy of what it's like to partner with heaven. To be faithful with what you have and watch it grow. If we don't trust the master's heart toward us, we can't live as good stewards because we're bypassing the basic foundation premise of the whole relationship, which is the goodness and the generosity of the master. That's, that's the foundation, is that our God is good and generous and gracious with us. He's not looking for you to go make something of yourself or to earn that golden crown in heaven. Come on, go get it. He's only looking for obedience. He wants you to be faithful. Stay faithful to the word that God has given you for today. Don't try to grow in status or resources. Grow in faithfulness. Start with stewardship. Most of us have 80 to 90 years to make an eternal impact on earth. Some of us, not even that long. Welcome to church. 
That's a sobering thought. And think of all the people who changed the world within that amount of time. Paul, father of the faith, wrote most of the New Testament. Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., Albert Einstein, Mother Teresa, Henry Ford, Nikola Tesla. Think of all that Jesus did within 30 years. All that he did on earth in 30 years. The thing that all of these people have in common is this. They used what they had and were faithful with what they had been given. They started with stewardship. They started with what they had. I'm going to invite Mary to come up as we close. So many of us have this ideal version of our lives that just seems so unattainable right now. I know for me, I want to be physically healthy and strong so that God can use my life longer. But it's a struggle to just get to the gym. I'm being bugged by Ryan, who is the gym owner here. He's telling me to get to the gym, and I know I should be listening to him. But I think that, you know, after a day with Ryan, I'm going to come out looking like Ryan. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't. <laughs> oh. And so, hey, it's a real spiritual moment, y'all. Mine. But you know what I mean? We all have this ideal version of what we want our lives to look like. I want to be physically healthy and strong. I want to be financially well off so that God can use my treasure for his kingdom. I want to perfect my talents and my abilities for God to use. I want to boldly share my testimony with anyone who will listen. I want to give God hours of my day instead of struggling to give him minutes of my day. But life isn't going to look completely different tomorrow, right? You don't walk into a gym and come out looking like a different person. You don't wake up the next day with a ton of resources and a ton of time and a ton of stuff that you didn't have the day before. Instead, the solution is to start with stewardship. We give God what we have now, and he's faithful to increase it when we're obedient with the small things. Some of you want your lives to look differently than they do now. Then start with stewardship. Maybe before that, start with gratitude. Thank you, God, for where I'm at now. Thank you for the resources you have given me. Thank you that I'm healthy, that my family's healthy. Thank you. You fill in the blank. Just begin to thank him for what you have. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite the ministry teams to come forward. We're going to go into a ministry time, and I just want to remind you before we do, uh, for those of you who consider this your home church, stick around after service. We're going to stay in this room. We're going to come back in about 15 minutes, so you go grab some coffee, uh, and we're just going to have about a 20-minute meeting in here, so uh, please stick around for our annual report. But as we go into this ministry time, I believe that some of us, I believe some of us have been living with discontentment. And we're struggling because the life that we have now is not the life that we idealize. It's not the life that we, that we expected. We, we didn't expect ourselves to be in this place. I thought that when I was this age, I'd be at this place and I'd have this many resources and I'd be doing this stuff. And we, and we get discontent and we get bent out of shape because our lives don't look how they want. 
I believe first we're supposed to come, God, with just a gratitude and say, thank you for what I have. Thank you for what you've given me. And then from there, give him the first fruits of, of your time, of your talents, of your testimony, of your temple, of your treasure. And start with what you do have. Start with stewardship and watch God increase it in your life as you are faithful with those things. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you so grateful for our lives, so grateful that we live in a country that, is, that has barn blessings, that we can gather together on a Sunday morning without fear of persecution. God, I thank you that many of us are healthy. I thank you that many of us have what we need and are provided for. God, you are so good to us. I pray for those who are here and might, might feel that they were left out. They might feel that they got the small talent. They didn't, they didn't start out with a good hand. Father, would you show them how to be faithful with what little they have been given and to free them from a, a bag mindset, a, a poverty mindset that says there's not enough to go around. Free them from that in Jesus' name. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I just want to invite you if you're in this place and maybe you haven't been to church in a long time and you say, you know, I, I like what you're saying, but I just need to start with a relationship with the giver, the one who gives these good gifts. Maybe you're here. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You haven't invited him in to have a personal relationship with you. You've only known him as a distant figure, a religious figure. But today you say, God, I want to invite you into my life. Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my life. If that's you and you've never asked him into your life before, would you just raise your hand high for me to see? I'm not going to call you on stage. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to partner with you. If that's you, raise your hand. I see your hand in the back. Anybody else? Anybody else? Don't let this moment pass you by. You can put your hand down. Everybody pray this with me. Jesus, I love you. And I give you my life. Forgive me for my sin. I repent and turn towards you. Give me the strength to be faithful. Surround me with your church, with your people. And fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can do the things that you did, Jesus. I love you. Amen. Church, I want to invite you. If you need prayer, come forward to one of these ministry teams. We're going to spend the next 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes with the ministry teams. Go grab some coffee, grab some pastries, hang out in the cafe, and we'll come right back here at... Uh, 11.30. 11.30, we'll meet right back here for our annual report.